Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 12. We took a little bit of time off uh, over the winter holidays, um, and now we're back. It was fun, but now we're back, and I'm excited to be back for the back half of Season 3. Our episode today is sponsored by Magic and Company. Magic and Company is a agency out of Brooklyn, New York, that does fantastic work with voice. They have developed all sorts of premier voice experiences for some of the top brands in the world. Uh, they just did one most recently for the Hospital for Special Surgery, which is based in New York. But they've done several. The one they talked at the Alexa conference most about was one they did for Purell, which was very interesting. Um, they did some work for Jim Beam. They've done some work for a lot of different companies. If you're listening to this, your company is interested in getting into voice. Um, you need somebody to hold your hand, somebody with um, really top shelf experience in development. Give Ben Fisher a call. Look at Matt, look up Magic and Company. We're going to link to them in the show notes. Um, so you can find them. Uh, you'll be glad that you did. We are very, very pleased to have a great panel today. Our first guest is Brielle Nikoloff. Brielle, say hello. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, Bradley. Brielle, thank you for joining us and taking the time. So tell us what you do for Witlingo. Tell us what Witlingo does. Share with us uh, some of your experience and what you do in voice. I work at Witlingo. We're a software as a service company based in McLean, Virginia. Um, right now, we are focusing on building products and solutions to help their brand get onto voice. Um, whether you're an individual, you can use Castlingo or a um, larger company or brand. Um, we are launching at the end of January BuildLingo, which is a, um, a way for um, anyone to get a mobile app on their phone to record uh, audios that will go into their voice experience, and this will build um, build an experience that will guide the user through FAQs or any sort of uh, information that this company wants their users to ask for and um, know. So the um, whoever is hosting the skill will also have access to an online portal that they can use to receive analytics and data about what people are asking for. And, um, and yeah, we'll get you set up, certify the skill or at Google action. We can get you on both platforms and, um, you can find, yeah, you can find the link to build lingo in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link to that. And we've had the privilege of, uh, beta testing the product that Brielle is talking about with lingo does great work. Brielle, we're, we're thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us once again. Our next guest is Lucas Wonderly. Lucas, say hello. Hi everybody. Thanks for having me here, Bradley. Um, it's a pleasure to be on the show. I'm a longtime listener, and thank you also for an amazing conference this past week. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Lucas, thank you for joining us. So, so tell, us, uh, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do. Um, tell us uh, why you're interested in voice and, and what you do with it. Sure. So I work at SAP. It's a global enterprise software company. And specifically, I work on their mobile platform. I'm currently working on a product called Mobile Development Kit, which is a part of our SAP Cloud Platform Mobile Services. And what you can do with Mobile Development Kit is build native mobile applications for both iOS and Android. So they're cross-platform. 
without having to write any code. So you get to use a visual development editor, but still get the benefits of being able to have cross-platform apps and also have that great native user experience. I've been working at SAP for the last six years. And I really started to get interested in voice, I'd say maybe a year and a half ago. Um, I'm a big fan of a game called Super Smash Brothers. And I ended up building a skill called Smash Aid, which uh, helps competitive Super Smash Brothers players get better at the game. So basically, I collected a bunch of information about the game and made it easier to access. And um, in doing this, I realized that when you start to get into more deep information. So when you want to not just provide a certain kind of information at a certain level, but have a little bit more conversation and um, depth to the information and content you're providing to the users, it gets more complicated for different reasons. And I figured people must be running into this same situation in different domains. So I'm really interested in trying to figure out how to get past some of those issues. And uh, yeah, for me, just getting interested in voice in general, I think was a way to get out of just the purely tech space. Um, I have a psychology background and went into software development. And for a long time, it felt like coding was the best use of my time, you know, just learning more about technology and building stuff. And with voice in particular, it seems like you can think about things like accessibility and language, and it brings the brings people more into the story, which I like a lot. And so it was a way for me to explore a certain area while also being able to think outside the box and um, think about other things like marketing and storytelling. We appreciate you joining us, Lucas. And um, your, your skill for Super Smash, Bro- for Super Smash Brothers, uh, I think is an interesting glimpse into not just the future of video games, but just the future of a lot of different things where you've got a voice assistant, you know, a sort of a voice intermediated experience guiding you to become better at what you're doing or more competent. Um, not that it helps me at smash. I suck as I told you at the Alexa conference, but, uh, it'll help other people. Uh, uh, we appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. I think you and I can both use all the help we can get. Yeah, yes, we can. Uh, and not just in that, but in, in many areas. With that, we'll get to the news. And our first story this week is taking a moment to debrief the Alexa conference. So the Alexa conference was last week. Uh, it was January 15th through the 17th in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Most people do not realize Chattanooga, Tennessee has the fastest internet in the United States. Um, the company behind that, the utility, EPB, was one of our major sponsors. We um, nearly tripled in size. I wrote a, a post-mortem report about it. We'll, we'll get to that. But I want to just start with, um, you know, both Brielle and Lucas were at the show. Um, we got a lot of positive feedback from it. But I, I want to hear specifically from y'all and Brielle, I'll start with you. You know, what was your, what was maybe the the, the biggest thing that you took away from your experience at the Alexa conference, either the biggest, the, the best thing you saw, the most insightful thing you heard, what, what's something that you took away from the show? Getting the voice community together in places like this is extremely valuable because it kind of, when, when you see everyone on Twitter and LinkedIn and see the amazing progress that we're all making, 
um, that's encouraging. But when you're actually standing in a session and listening to progress being made, like in front of your eyes and, and hearing it happen, that's a whole other deal. Like, especially, um, I mean, there's such a big presence from healthcare there this year. And I remember standing in on a session where, um, of course, HIPAA right now is such a big concern with, with voice and healthcare. But I remember this one statement, someone said there was a panel and someone raised the issue of HIPAA. And then the, someone on the panel was like, yes, HIPAA is a thing. But beyond that, like, what will this look like? And how can we, like, being able to just think beyond these speed bumps that will eventually get solved is really cool to see. And and innovation is, is, of course, going to run into lots and lots of speed bumps, whether it's technical or cultural opinions. And so having these discussions with everybody in one place is um, really is going to really push the envelope. There were so many things that I learned over the course of, um, of the week. Going from different technical details uh, I ran into a lot of people who were dealing with a lot of the same sorts of problems that I was running into with Smash Aid, and also a lot of people thinking about things like, um, how do you make Alexa skills have more personality? How do you make them more memorable? And so that was all really interesting. But I also have to echo what Brielle said about having everyone together and just the sense of community. Um, I thought that was really unique. Um, the atmosphere at the conference was really welcoming and friendly and everybody seemed really excited. And um, I think, you know, if you go to a lot of different tech conferences, people are generally pretty technical, right? And focus on the technology in particular, but the community for voice is really multidisciplinary. So you've got developers and also marketers and storytellers. So people bringing different perspectives into the mix. But, you know, I think it's not just that. It's not just that you have different industries, but the people who tend to be interested in voice and get into this space themselves tend to be kind of eclectic, right? They're interested in the different areas in their own right. And I think people like that tend to be kind of cool and interesting. Um, you know, the technical people tend to be interested in things like psychology and language and user experience. And then marketers tend to be more tech savvy than usual because they're the ones who are more on the cutting edge of technology and trying to figure out how to get ahead of their competition. Um, just give a quick example of that. One of the more technical presentations I saw was from Shantan Kesaraju, um, the creator of 123Math. And he was giving a lot of details about AWS and how do you manage it? How do you do monitoring? And uh, since he has a quiz game, how do you generate questions dynamically uh, using templates? So all kind of technical stuff that you would expect. But he was most excited about making his skill accessible to kids with special needs, in particular, kids with difficulty communicating. And um, for people like this, he found a way to use blocks to come up with answers to the quiz question. So it would use computer vision to recognize which block was being displayed to the camera. So I think that's something that shows that even though here you have someone who's pretty experienced 
with technology, but they're also thinking about accessibility and making Alexa available to everyone. And that was something that I saw again and again, was that people were thinking about both technology and how it applied to people. That was an excellent presentation uh, that Shantan did. I, I, that was the one case study I got to sit in on um, for its entirety. And uh, see, that's the thing. You, you, you put these events together and you, you don't get to hear all the great people talk, such as both of y'all, um, you, know, to, you know, I wish uh, I was able to sit in on every session, um, which I was almost able to sit in on no sessions. But I saw that with that, uh, that Shantan showed off with the blocks and that whole that whole deal. And you do get the sense. First of all, I appreciate the comment about the, the, the welcoming environment. You know, a lot goes into that. There was um, I felt like, and it was reinforced from the feedback, you know, good energy in the conference. Um, there was uh, a communal spirit in the conference. Um, it was, uh, you know, a sense that everybody's on the frontier together. And, you know, these things, they, they don't last. Um, you know, they, we're going to keep it going with the Alexa conference. And as it grows, it will become harder and harder to, to keep that, um, you know, it will, uh, it'll require some different sort of engineering to keep it. It's, it's, uh, you know, those sorts of things are fleeting and uh, you have to savor it while it lasts. You touched on something else that I wanted to sort of mention as well, you know, in describing to people what the conference is going to be, you know, people wanted to say, oh, okay, so it's a gathering of developers. No. <laughs> yes and no, because there's not an appreciation for all the different types of talent that goes into the creation of a voice experience or the conception of a great voice experience. It's not just developers. Um, and so we came up with the way that I now often will refer to the attendance of the show, which is there's four types of people. There's executives, there's marketers, there's developers, and there's strategists. And those are the four types of people that either are sitting at the table when a company is trying to get into voice, or those are the four types of people that are charged with getting into it by somebody else or held responsible for getting into it. Those are the four types of people that are generally in the mix um, regardless of how a company gets into it. And, and so what happens is that uh, rather than just a straight up development you know, developer conference where, you know, everything is super technical, you know, this sort of allowed for um, a lot of different perspectives, some 30,000 foot, some super technical on the ground and, and some in between. And um, I thought the result as far as this year was concerned was, um, was something memorable. So we're proud of that. I've linked to uh, our official postmortem report uh, in the show notes. Um, I encourage people to read that. Uh, we try to be as transparent as possible, as candid as possible. Um, and one thing that I think stands out is there was a lot of people doing summary write-ups, including you, Lucas, um, about the show. You're, literally in a day or two after it was over, we've linked to as many of those as we can. We're going to continue to update that. Um, to me, that's a high compliment that, uh, in fact, that might be the ultimate compliment other than people buying a pass to return 
um, the subsequent year, you know, if people want to keep talking about a conference that that means you left a mark, you, you did something right. So um, we, I'm glad we took a moment to debrief that. Any closing thoughts on the Alexa conference that y'all want to mention before we move on? Um, yeah, Bradley, I mean, your team was amazing. The show was amazing. And the conversations and connections that at least Witlingo made there are truly like going to be the building blocks for a lot of um, what we're doing in the future. So thank you again. It was it was amazing. Awesome. I appreciate that. Okay, so now we will move on to actual news of the week. Um, story number two, voicebot.ai story of the week. We've been on hiatus uh, for the last uh, few weeks, so we haven't had a voicebot.ai story of the week. Uh, glad to be back in the saddle with one of these. KFC is the first fast food restaurant to enable voice ordering through Alexa in India. <laughs> now, if you listen to Voice First FM and you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about multiple times the fact that almost from, no, no, no not almost, from the very beginning of Voice First FM back in uh, about April 2017, the, the, the first biggest market for, for the network has been the United States um, by far. But since the beginning, the second biggest market for this show and our other shows that we produce in-house has been India. And India has been in second place by a wide, wide margin over different companies that are different countries that have uh, rotated in and out of being third place in terms of the most listeners um, and, and so forth. So there's been a real healthy appetite for whatever it is we're doing here with voice first FM in India. And that's the first thing I thought of when I, I read this um, article that Brett put together, I want to get the panel's thoughts on what stood out to them with this. And Lucas, I'm going to start with you. Anything in particular stand out to this? Is this a surprise uh, that KFC is doing this in general? Is it a surprise they're doing it in India? Um, you think it's going to work or you think it's a waste of time? What, what stood out to you about uh, this particular article? I think there are two ways you can look at this. One is, well, they're interested in voice ordering and they want to pilot the skill in a smaller market before delivering it to the U.S. So, you know, relative to the U.S., um, India is a relatively smaller market. But, you know, as you mentioned, Bradley, voice is pretty big there and it's catching on more and more. And people speak, you know, a fair number of people in India speak English. So it translates fairly well. On the other hand, the other way of looking at it is this can be an expansion opportunity for KFC in its own right. You know, not a pilot, but this is just a strategy in its own right of expanding their operations in India. I don't know how big KFC is in India, but I'm sure they have room to grow. And I'm sure um, there are plenty of people who would love KFC there. Uh, but India is the most, uh, second most populous country in the world. And in a couple of years, it'll be the most populous country in the world. So just based on that alone, it makes sense to try to expand into that market. And um, if you're going to do that, voice is a really sensible way to do so. Um, you can think about voice as a leapfrog technology. So usually that term is used in reference to mobile 
mobile phones, so flip phones or smartphones, because um, emerging markets have been able to use phones in order to skip the phase of adoption for desktops and laptops. So because the phones give them access to um, massive communications through calling an SMS, and then smartphones give you access to the internet, um, the these phones, which tend to be cheaper than laptops or desktops, um, allow people to access things that they weren't able to before. And these kinds of technologies can spread without needing to go through the same phases that we went through in the U.S. And I think voice can be viewed in the same way, where emerging markets um, can use voice to expand. And actually, even though I mentioned smartphones um, in that context, I checked into this and the smartphone penetration rate in India is around 28% right now, which is where the U.S. was in 2011. So smartphones themselves, if you think about you know, KFC's option to just put out an app that does ordering in India, um, that's not necessarily going to get that much penetration to users, whereas voice is something that's expanding very rapidly. And it's a lot cheaper in comparison for people to buy a smart speaker as opposed to um, buying a new mobile phone. So I think it's a way of expanding their market um, and kind of hitching themselves to a technology that's already expanding. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So um, building off of what Lucas just said, um, I think it's true that voice will definitely has the potential to become that leapfrog technology with um, smart assistants in the home. But uh, keeping in mind as well that um, Google Assistant and Alexa are able to be on any smartphone anywhere uh, through their apps. And, of course, Android phones that um, or Google Android phones have Google Assistant already built into them. So by augmenting like the smart speakers in the home with, with um, voice apps or with these assistants on phones, that's, that's another smart move that... Um, you know, that will help people bypass other methods. Um, another thing that jumped out to me was that um, the skill doesn't permit credit card payments right now and only accepts cash upon delivery. So um, the reason that's interesting to me is I was actually talking to my colleague Neha, uh, who is our product um, manager at Whitlingo, and she was she's from India. So she told me that right now, um, cash upon delivery is actually extremely common. Even, even if you buy something on Amazon and have it delivered to your doorstep, uh, you have the option to pay in cash. So that's something I think that is, it's cool that they're, uh, of course, fitting in with the, the cultural, um, the status quo right now and, and, of course, there are security and privacy issues still surrounding uh, connecting one's credit card to Alexa for voice commerce. But by allowing, you know, allowing people to do something that they've been able to do ever since delivery was um, available in India, I think that's a very smart move um, on their part. That is interesting. And uh, I think that's a, a pretty gargantuan cultural difference you know i don't think uh you know kfc in the united states isn't isn't budging one inch before getting paid 
they would never, right. ne- never dream of bringing someone food on cash cash on delivery uh, here and uh, and there it's the norm. I, I found that fascinating as well. The other thing I thought was interesting um, is uh, the whole thing about the smart speaker being able to determine your location. And let me look back at the article about this because I want to read this. Uh, I'm reading from the article. The skill is also able to decipher the user's location to find the nearest KFC franchise and product availability in real time. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, are, do we have that capability with Alexa here in the United States? Like that, that that's. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, maybe they're using like a Wi-Fi location. Do you know, Lucas? I don't know. And as far as I know, we don't have that. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I don't think we do. That's that's kind of. Um, it could be a sort of thing where um, you tell the 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 skill right when you open it, and then it just remembers. But but yeah, that's a good point, Bradley. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just it stuck out it stuck out to me because it was like um, that's another cultural difference. I think that we'd have people <clears throat> screaming about privacy, um, even though. You know, that sort of functionality adds so much to something like this. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty fascinating article. And the other thing, I just laugh with, with KFC in general. I, I remember, um, and, and I don't have the details. If I can find an article that goes into it, I'll link it in the show notes. But the reason they call themselves KFC is, if I'm not mistaken, related to a lawsuit where someone sued them over the name Kentucky Fried Chicken, saying that none of those three words were accurate descriptors. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> of the product, and that, and they were then as a result of that, I, they had to uh, start calling themselves with the abbreviation KFC. <laughs> I think I remember hearing that too. Fascinating. <laughs> Which I just think is absolutely hilarious. Um, so you know. It, it's whatever, but uh, I, I think that this is um, this is just a fascinating uh, an additional data point of how voice is permeating itself into every nook and cranny of the planet. And uh, while the technology itself is unstoppable because it's part of who we are as human beings, when it comes to the actual implementation of that culturally and, you know, within different societies and localities, um, it can and does look a lot different. I'm fascinated by it. I appreciate y'all's commentary. Any closing thoughts on that? All right. Yeah. Then we'll, then we will move on. Story number three from VentureBeat. Sherpa.ai raises $8.5 million to shepherd its Spanish-speaking assistant to smart speakers. This is another interesting one. Um, And I think there's a lot that you could glean from from looking at this. Brielle, I want to start with you. As you looked at this, um, you work for a startup uh, that has been very successful uh, with what uh, Ahmed is doing. Um, You're also familiar with a lot of other companies in the space, obviously. Share with me and the audience, your thoughts as you look at a story like this, what stands out? The first thing is that Spanish is going to be, Spanish speakers are a huge percentage of the population. Um, 
if I'm, I looked it up and it, um, I think English, Indian, or sorry, English, Hindi, and um, Mandarin are the first three, and then it's Spanish. And I think Spanish is actually more widespread geographically. So um, first off, it's uh, interesting that they're focusing on that. Um, they, it could be huge. Um, the other thing is that it mentioned that this this AI provides predictive recommendations. And so it um, it's almost more of an agent than even like an assistant at that point. Um, and the fact that they are providing this white label solution to companies that are maybe competing with uh, Google and Amazon, um, I don't know, it seems like they're they're hitting all the right <laughs> all the right uh, points when as they're kind of moving forward. Yeah, I think the Spanish speaking thing is a really interesting thing to focus on. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that advantage plays out over time. I mean, first of all, how much better is Sherpa's uh, Spanish-speaking capabilities versus Alexa? I would assume it's pretty far ahead. And then Google um, tends to be pretty good on translation, so I'd be interested to find out how those two compare with each other. And on one hand, you might think that um, you know over time, both Amazon and Google and whoever else um, would get better over time at translating with Spanish and having a Spanish service. So you wouldn't think that advantage would be a, a big, big deal as time goes on. But on the other hand, um, you know, people have habits. So if they can get in with a large portion of the Spanish speaking community, that could be a long-term advantage in that market. And it seems like they already have um, they already have a pretty big following. Their mobile app has five million users. So, since they already have visibility within that community, it's definitely a head start. Um, the other thing is, as you mentioned, Alexa and Google uh, Assistant both are aggregating data by the second and getting better and better. Of course, Google their whole world is processing natural language ever since the start of the company. So they um, have this advantage. But I think with Sherpa, I mean, if they are providing um, a good AI that is a white label um, assistant or agent to hardware companies or what have you, um, and and maybe companies that don't want to deal with the, uh, the privacy or security of Google or or Amazon using their data, then this is a, you know, a great way to provide that um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I also saw a similar point being made in another VoiceBot article about, um, about the car just a couple days ago, where Mercedes is uh, building car with no less than four different voice connectivity options. And in that context, uh, I don't know how that works. Do you... Is there a master assistant where you say, I want to talk to Alexa? Is there just a simple configuration where you say which one you want to use all the time? I'm not sure. But in any case, I guess cases like that um, are going to start happening more and more when you have these white label solutions being combined and vendors in different areas want to provide uh, different options to consumers. I saw in the article that the CEO said he was actually excited for the opportunities that Alexa had opened up. So 
smart speakers being more common is actually creating more opportunities for them. So he seems to be implying that the same thing is happening in the smart speaker space where you've got different assistants in the same device. I'm not aware of any cases of that, but maybe they're already out there. But in any case, that dynamic comes up again, where, you know, how do these assistants uh, interact with each other or how are they managed? And like you said, Brielle, there is an advantage to um, players who aren't one of the big tech giants because people will be more inclined to trust them a little bit more. That is an interesting angle, isn't it? Um, hey, we're not Amazon, so we're better. We're not Google, so we're better. Um, it it, it uh, and it works to some degree. I, you know, uh, the the Mycroft folks have gotten a lot of mileage out of. Uh, we're not uh, Microsoft, so we're you know that makes us better. Um, we're not a big company. Uh, we're a smaller company. Um, and so we're more responsible. It's an interesting, it's an interesting angle. Um, and, and one that's already worked for a lot of folks. I, to me, the, the takeaway from the article is I think in 2019, we're going to see a lot of M and a activity. Uh, we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, mergers and acquisitions and, 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 consolidation um, start to occur um, as now, you know, companies are realizing that um, we're, we're, we're far from the voice is a fad thing, but companies are now realizing, oh no, if we don't have capabilities in this space, it's an existential threat. It's not just a question of whether it's a fad or not a fad. It's an existential threat to a business of a certain size if you don't have voice capabilities and engineers and talent um, in-house. And so uh, I think there will be a lot of pressure on larger organizations to swallow up some of these smaller ones. And um, I think it's going to be a story in 2019. I think that alongside... Um, what Samsung is doing to cultivate their ecosystem alongside uh, the car emerging as a new frontier for voice in general. Um, to me, this is um, really just a blip on the larger radar of what will continue to be a huge story. Story number four, quick. What is, <laughs> what is the most offensive thing Alexa has ever said or probably will ever say, there's no doubt, this is the, I am truly offended. I'm going to read the headline from the Boston Globe. Alexa predicts, quote, Tom Brady will need to use his other hand for that sixth Super Bowl ring. I, I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I did not want to read this. I didn't, I didn't want them to be in the Super Bowl for starters, uh, but they are. So what can you do about that? But, um, and unfortunately, I, I, Alexa is probably right. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I love articles like this. I get a kick out of them, but I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Uh, you know, first of all, Lucas, who do you have in the Super Bowl? And anything in particular, any larger points about voice that jump out at you with a funny article like this? Anything stand out or, or catch your catch your eye? 
First of all, I want to point out that actually what Alexa said is she wants the Rams to win, but she thinks that actually the Patriots are going to win. So I thought it was kind of interesting that um, it's, it's kind of like a nuanced response, right? I also want the Rams to win. And I'm going to say that, uh, you know, I'm putting my energy behind them. So I'm going to say that I think they're going to win as well. I think this makes a lot of sense for, uh, for Amazon to be doing things like this because they show a lot of personality. I think it's more interesting when you take a side on something rather than just being neutral, right? Which is more boring. And I think that's also um, to tie this into some discussions that you've had in the past. Why Amazon chose to make Alexa not just um, a person or not just give it a name, but uh, give Alexa a particular gender, even though there are challenges and implications with that, um, it makes the assistant ultimately feel more human. And, you know, by um, Alexa picking a side, well, saying that she wants the Rams to win, but then adding that, um, not only saying that she thinks the Patriots will win, but putting in terms of, well, Tom Brady's going to need another hand for the Super Bowl ring. It sounds like something that your friend or coworker would say, right? So um, I think it just makes it very personable. And it's something that as a user, you remember, it's easy to implement things like that. So it's, you know, it's a win-win for Alexa. We're here talking about it. So it makes a lot of sense to do things like this. Yeah, I think, um, as you mentioned, she... She said one thing that is backed by, you know, like data or statistics and then mentioned another thing that brought the emotion into it. And it's interesting because the emotion is sort of what we will attribute to Amazon. Like, okay, is Amazon trying to say this? And, um, and yeah, like as we, it, it brings a whole angle of, uh, who are these assistants and how do we want to relate to them as people? Do we want them to be this, like uh, this neutral presence that just helps us and feeds us information or are we looking for a companion? Um, So I think that's what this article kind of gets to the core of is, um, and, and even beyond that, depending on which one we decide or which direction we move towards, there are a lot of different, sociological and cultural implications that go along with um, how we talk to Alexa. If she becomes this uh, more personable entity that is like another person and, and we, you know, and we don't, we give her commands or we use kind of like dialogue models that are still um, not ones that we would use with another person, then what does that say about uh, like ethics and AI? It's a fun article, but as, as y'all's commentary suggests, once you dive in, you really sort of start to understand um, there's deeper things going on here. I, I love to think about the fact that, you know, a lot's been made of how many people Amazon has hired to work on Alexa. And... Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole team called like the Alexa personality team, I think. <laughs> oh yeah, no no no, I guarantee you this was someone's job. This this right here it was someone one person's job to figure out 
what Alexa was going to say about the Super Bowl and how she was going to say it. And what an interesting thing to realize and what an interesting sort of reality that is. The, the spokeswoman, it, this article talks about, there's a spokeswoman talking and saying, if I can find the quote, uh, Alexa puts numerous factors together with a dash of, quote, gut feeling to make her prediction. She's still learning about the human intricacies of intuition and is constantly refining her methodology, whatever. <laughs> well, whatever. This was, so this was one person's job. They did a good job, obviously, because they're getting PR out of it. I've seen this article everywhere, much more than many other articles. This is probably the most seen article I've seen other than stuff about CES. Um, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's fascinating. It's a sign of the times. Uh, any uh, closing comments on that? No, it is it's definitely interesting. I, I, I remember reading an article about um, Google's assistant and how there was a lot of thought going into what her persona should be. And apparently she is a uh, librarian from Colorado who loves to kayak. So, um, so specific. And um, I don't know if you guys probably don't know this, but my sister is named Alexa, which has caused much strife in our household, as I'm sure you can imagine. But um, yeah, no, I texted her like, hey, Alexa, there's this whole team at Amazon called the Alexa personality team. Maybe I, maybe you can uh, get some pointers from them, <laughs> but, um, but no, I find it very interesting um, how, how this will evolve as we become more and more um, closer and, and as the assistants start to know us more as users. Yeah. And I think this particular statement was engineered to, uh, kind of be reflective of a lot of people's perspective, but also kind of get under their skin a little bit, right? So it's like, I, you know, a good number of people, I think, are probably, you know, are sick of the Patriots being in the Super Bowl and so on. So it's like, I agree with you on that, but then I'm going to say this other thing that kind of is a little bit more provocative. I thought it was interesting. They went. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, this was such a calculated PR move. That's when I. That's why when I read this quote from the spokeswoman saying Alexa puts numerous factors together, give me a give me a break. That actually subtracts from it a little bit. But uh, interestingly, um, you know, Alexa is not the only thing called Alexa that Amazon owns. There is a search engine thing, a legacy search engine technology, also called Alexa. Um, not to mention, you know, all the, a lot of different things called Alexa, a lot of people named Alexa. Um, yeah. So I have sympathy for your, uh, for your sister, Brielle, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> she's getting through it. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is, uh, this is interesting. Um, I always like to reference these sort of cultural, um, anecdotes, uh, on the back end of the show. And I appreciate the commentary on, on that. Brielle, and Lucas, thank you both very, very much for being on This weekend Voice. Uh, appreciate y'all setting the time aside. Appreciate you both being at the Alexa conference as well. Thank you for sharing your time and your expertise with not just me, but the audience too. Yeah, I love being on the show. Um, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Bradley. For season three, episode 12 of This weekend Voice. Thank you for listening. And until next time.